Welcome to Out the Gate, the podcast about sailing and adventure on and around San Francisco Bay. Ryan Finn grew up sailing with his family in the Gulf of Mexico. At 19, he was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and while undergoing cancer treatment, he became fascinated by single-handed sailing. Today, Finn has successfully completed three transatlantic and three trans-Pacific crossings. And as I'm recording this, he's getting ready to set off any day to attempt the first ever solo, non-stop trip from New York to San Francisco around Cape Horn, east to west. It's the classic route taken by clipper ships during the gold rush. And he's not doing this 14,000-mile journey in just any boat. He's attempting the passage in a modern proa, an updated version of a Polynesian sailing canoe. Ryan talks more about this unusual Russell Brown-designed boat in the interview, so I'll let him explain that to you. We recorded this conversation a couple weeks ago as Ryan was provisioning and finishing up last-minute jobs before his departure. He may already be underway as you're listening to this, and if you want to follow him, you can Google Two Oceans, One Rock. That's the number two oceans, number one, and rock. Enjoy the conversation. My name is Ryan Finn. I'm from Louisiana, uh, and I'm, uh, I'm in New York, um, preparing to do a record from New York to San Francisco on the old clipper ship route, the Gold Rush route, really, is one of those. And um, yeah, I'm doing it on a Pacific Pro designed by Russell Brown and built by him and um and that's been uh that's been a big part of my project is getting the boat prepared to do the fourteen thousand mile trip that is exciting people might have heard of the flying cloud which the clipper right. ship from i don't know 1854 i think it was held the, held the record for for years and years and years and then it was finally broken yeah, in the yeah. 80s yeah um, they, you know, the Flying Cloud did it twice. It did it in, in, in under 89 days twice. Or sorry, it did it in 89 days and changed uh, two times. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah, weird, right? Like, how did they do that? And then it was, uh, I think it was Thursday's Child who did it in 80 days in, in like 1989. So hundreds of, <laughs> over 100 years later. <laughs> Took a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three guys, that was a three-man crew. And um mm-hmm. And the guy who's been pretty helpful uh, advising me has been was is one of the crew. Uh, oh, Gaves, he actually lives in the same town as my mom in Fort Myers, Florida. So we uh, we've gotten together and chatted about it quite a bit. Um, yeah, small world. It's no small feat. It's never been done, New York to San Francisco single-handed. Is that correct? <clears throat> it's never been done nonstop. Nonstop. Um, it has been done. Philippe Philippe Monet did it. Uh, in in eighty nine, the same year, um, on a trimer, and I think I, I I think it was over fifty feet. Um, but he ended up he he actually had a collision with an iceberg, and uh, I I don't know the details of this, so it's not going to be fully accurate. But I know he had a collision with an iceberg and had to um, stop and repair that in uh, around Cape Horn, like Ushuaia or something. Got it. So if you uh, if you go nonstop single handed. That'll be the new record. You're yeah, attempting... If in... I do that, I can go as slow as I want. 
that's right. <laughs> but that's not your goal. How what is how many days you would you like to do it in? Um, I would I would like to be if I could get there in seventy days, I'd be I'd be pretty freaking pumped. Yeah. You know. And you mentioned already the boat, this Russell Brown Design Pro. I I think a lot of my listeners, well, I have to admit that I was not very familiar with proas before I started reading about your journey. Tell us what a proa is. A, a proa is it's it's um what, what Russell did was like a, a westernized version of a Pacific Islander um, sailing craft known as a proa, which it just means it just means boat in that region because that's what their boats are. You know, it's basically an outrigger type. It looks like an outrigger canoe. And it's and unlike a catamaran or a trimaran where it uses a leeward hull for writing moment, this boat uses the weather hull for writing moment. It's like a canted, it's like a cantilever type of um, writing moment. The outrigger is on yeah. the upwind side. That's right. That's what, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. So to pack, you have to go backwards. That's what that's what blows people's minds. Like what? I'm like, yeah, you have to go backwards. <laughs> so that's that's how it works. So tell, talk talk a little bit about that. How, what is the actual maneuver of, of tacking or, or shunting? I guess it's called in a, in a pro. Basically, I mean, you know, at this point, I'm not trying to do it quick, right? Like it, it, that's not that's not my objective. My objective is to to make sure uh, that it's done safely and easily so i'll take my time with it um you basically stop the boat you use the main out lift the rudder because they come up and down like a dagger board lift it up out of the water ease the main out the boat sits beam to the wind and i go forward unclip the furled jib from the furler walk it around furled and reconnect it to the other furler on the other side tension that come back in the cockpit rotate the mast sheet the main end, drop the rudder, <clears throat> lower the, the new rudder, and um, unroll the Genoa, and then you're sailing again. When you say you, you lower and raise the rudder, there, there's a rudder on each end, I'm assuming. That's right. That's right. Huh. That is fascinating. And what was the inspiration? You, you've sailed this boat named name Zero? How do you pronounce it? It's J-Z-E-R-O. Zero, yeah. Zero. Zero, yeah. What's the origin of that name? Um, Russell designed, I mean, Russell's a, Russell's like a, a brilliant guy, but he, he designed, uh, a boat like this, a, a westernized sloop rigged proa when he was 14 hmm. and, um, built it and ran away from home on it Oh man! <laughs> and sailed from Virginia to, uh, Puerto Rico with it and then lived down there on this little, little boat for years as a teenager and so that first boat's name was Jazera with one r and this boat is uh i think his fourth proa that he's built and he and it was his last one and it's uh Jazera with two r's okay and it's from it's from a cat stevens song i think huh you've said that you are doing this to prove the proa design and this would be the longest I guess, recorded passage of a proa. Yeah, for sure. Um, although I'm sure the Pacific Islanders made long journeys in them. What inspired you to tackle this in a proa? Um, because I, I, I wanted a boat that could go, um, that didn't rely on the beams uh, for, as, 
as, weren't as structurally reliant on beams as catamarans or trimarans were. And um, I wanted something that was faster than a monohull based on a certain budget, you know, a certain amount of money. So I've got that. <laughs> so talk a little bit about how this, how is the, um, the structure, the forces on the boat different from a, from a catamaran? Than an outrigger. Well, like on a catamaran, on a catamaran or a trimaran, you're 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 you're, you're really, um, you know, the rig is stepped in the middle of the boat, and it's relying on riding moment. The riding moment from this boat comes from the weight of the ama. Okay, mm-hmm. the riding moment from a catamaran and trimaran mostly comes from the buoyancy, the center of buoyancy being so far to leeward. So you end up with a heavier structure because the beams have to be a lot stronger. And you end up add, having to counter that with more sail area, and there's sort of a spiral that you can take to another degree of unreliability. Yeah. Really. Now, is the ballast yeah. in the Alma? Uh, can you change it? Is it water ballast? What What is the? Uh... Yeah, I can add. I can add ballast to it. Yeah, I, and I do. I typically, I, I often do add a, add water ballast. That's handy. So the wind pipes up, and you can add some ballast or right. reef the right. sails. Yeah. I understand you're you're taking off here very soon and i really appreciate you taking some some time when you must be running around like a madman what's your uh, your schedule i'm hoping to leave here within a couple of weeks and okay. um and i'm really hoping to get to cape horn in a, a month after i start so that would be mid-february yeah yeah and talk about the challenges of going around the horn east to west like the challenge is getting around uh, chile you know, it's a bit that northwest, that strong northwesterly flow you get on the southern end of, uh, off the southern coast of Chile. That's brutal. It's just fucking brutal. Yeah. So, um, the, that's, that's entirely, that's what this whole program is hinged on, in my opinion. What are some of the other main concerns that you are, or not concerns, but uh, main hurdles that you're planning against? Another obstacle that I definitely, uh, you know, first off, I hate sailing in the Gulf Stream. Mm. I'm so sick of it all the time. Um, But I have to cross the Gulf Stream, um, you know, with a weather window that that is going to be fairly breezy at the start. So I'm going to be crossing it quickly. A big part of the program is also keeping, you know, getting around Brazil without having to pack. That's going to mean a big investment to, to the east. You know, that part... That's what it is. I, I don't have a lot of major concerns. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they sort of, those tend to reveal themselves at their, at their, at their leisure. <laughs> no sense worrying yeah. about them beforehand, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like, well, something, something will show up. I know you've done many, many, many miles of ocean sailing. Uh, how much single-handing have you done? Um, I've done a lot. I've I've done. Uh, I probably have like forty thousand miles or something like that. What are some of the unique mental and physical challenges from single-handed versus crewed sailing for you um, in particular? I mean, obviously, sleep is a big part of it. Uh, basically, I spend I spend most of my time trying to sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's how you do it. You know, they, like if you're not. If you're not changing sails or trimming sails, you're trying to sleep. And I hope that's the limit of what I'm doing. That's, I think that's the thing that was the biggest obstacle initially, but now it's just part of the routine. Yeah, you get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty easily. 
a frustrating part of it is uh, is having a data connection for the for sending and receiving grid file. You know, not sending, but for sending grid file requests and receiving grid files. Um, sometimes that'll take a while, and that's really really crazy, really annoying. That brings up the question: downloading grid files. You're going to be self-sufficient in terms of weather out there getting information i i am i i definitely would like to have um some some routing uh some routing guidance for getting uh what's what's up near south america that's for sure because mm-hmm. I, I i need another i need another set of eyes on that problem this is a problem yeah you mentioned that about is it is it brazil primarily getting out far enough getting out far enough for brazil uh you know i I'm not too nervous about doing that. It's just a, it's a, it's it's just fighting that temptation to get south early. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But getting around getting around Cape Horn, um, I definitely I definitely want another set of eyes on, on giving me a weather window for getting around it. It's really just getting north on the in the Pacific side. How how quickly can I get north? And I need a window for that. Talk about the currents and the wind on that side. I'm not super familiar with it. Um, I do know that some people have ended up making it around and feeling like they were home free and then sitting without wind for a while. I know John Kretschmer, when he was as contested no 32, ended up taking days yeah, and yeah. days. But, you know, but he also, he got, he got pounded. You know, he stopped, I think he stopped in, um, he stopped on the, on the Pacific coast. Yeah. Uh, either Peru or Chile or something. You know, they got, he got hit. He said they saw 60 knots. Once they were once they were well around Cape Horn, and uh, that's that's not great. <laughs> <laughs> you can get too much, and you can get too little. So. Yeah. I also was curious. You have a fuel cell on board, which is something that people aren't as familiar with. It's pretty common in Europe, but um, yeah, it's an efoy uh, fuel cell. That that's a um, methanol fuel cell. Right. Yeah, yeah. It uses methanol, and they have they have a bunch of different versions of it. That, you know, the methanol is kind of a hassle, honestly, because it's 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 not that common in right. the states. But I know that they have another they have another kind that uses propane and some other ones. But um, this is the one that I had access to. And that kind of serves in, instead of a generator to top off the batteries. Is that that its main purpose? Right. Yeah. Because like, you know, if there's no sun, you know, I'm relying on solar heavily, and uh, if, if that if that's not an option, I need something. Yeah. So. But you do have a diesel, or not? No, no. No, okay, okay. I see. No, I'm not going to bring a motor. There's going to be no engine. Ah, okay. Very cool. Thrilled uh, to hopefully greet you as you come in under the, the Golden Gate Bridge here. How? Yeah. You've been dreaming about this for, what, I think the idea came to you five or six years ago? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. How did that? We talked about why the proa, but how did the idea of 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 New York to San Francisco come to you? Um, stick with you. I thought I thought that it would be like you know because a, a lot of this type of sailing is is very French Franco centric, right? Mm-hmm. What if I wanted to do the route to Rome or something? You know, yeah. uh, then I have to find a sponsor. But why would a, why would an American company sponsor me to sail a race that gets only press in France? And I was like, well, I should do something that's American. And this is an American record, a classic traditional record that's well-established and part of our culture. And I was like, I bet you I can get a sponsor if I do that. And <laughs> it's like, no, you can't. How much do you want to bet, Ryan? Well, here we are. Uh, but it is interesting. It's inter- and 
as a navigator, this is an interesting course, you know? Yeah. For me, it's still personal, you know? Yeah. Even if nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a hard nut to crack here in the United States. The sailing is just not regarded in the same way as in France. Or, no, it's yeah. definitely not. But you do have a television crew that's going to be following you, and you're going to have cameras all over the boat. Is that right? Yeah, I've got some cameras on the on board, and um, it's my responsibility to, to uh, activate them and utilize them. And and we've gotten a lot of footage so far, and we'll have footage when I arrive. And and they've done a lot of interviews, so they have a lot of content. And we're going to put the, we're going to put together a documentary. Hopefully, that will help relieve some of the financial burden of the project. Yeah. Well, you just sailed up from. Gulf of Mexico, New Orleans, up to New York in order to depart from New York. How did that that initial trip go? I, it good. I, I you know I sailed down to um <clears throat> I sailed down to Key Largo to uh to do a bottom job to haul the boat out because they had a, a yard there that could fit me in mm-hmm. quickly. So I did that, and then sailed up to um to North Florida <laughs> to New Smyrna Beach, and it, there was a basically an ice storm coming, so I pulled in there, and it actually was freezing. I was going to say you're going the day. wrong direction. For winter time. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm the only. I, I I bet you I'm the only sailboat who did that. This, I'm the only boat heading north right now. And um and then I left there and then pulled into North Carolina to get a good weather window to get around Cape Hatteras. Saw that I wasn't going to get anything good, so left and just got here. You know, and so I sailed it, and it was raining for two days. I got around Cape Hatteras. I was averaging fourteen or fifteen. Uh, knots and was able to get around really quickly, and um, and then it was upwind from there. The boat is performing <laughs> how you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is. It's, it's just um, I had a battery issue because I didn't have the fuel. I didn't have the methanol for the fuel cell. Oh. Um, so and there's no sun because of all the rain, and so I had to I had to sail up with the autopilot on very low settings, which is which is not great for going upwind. Yeah. I understand you, you have a pelagic autopilot on board? I have a pelagic uh, ram. I'm using an okay. AKA pilot. And okay. I have a pelagic, um, I've got a pelagic pilot for, uh, as a backup as well. That's nice. Those, those pelagic rams apparently use, use less energy, which is nice. Especially yeah, yeah, they you, do. They definitely yeah. do. But, uh, you know, when you set them high, if you set the settings high on the NK, it'll, 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 it'll get them working a lot. So, yeah. yeah, and I've got I've got a few of those as backups as well. Any kind of wind powered steering, wind vane? No, no, nothing like that. Okay, nothing like that. I mean, the boat's too the boat's too quick for that, man. I mean, I'm sailing downwind. I'm sailing downwind in four knots of wind with jibs. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Sheeted in tricky. like going upwind. So. Explain that. Why sheeted in like you're going upwind when you're going downwind? Just because the apparent, you know, I'm going downwind. Oh, uh, okay. In light, in light air, I'm going downwind at, at, at eight knots. You know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> okay. So you're not going downwind anymore. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it, that's for sure. But it would be hard to set up a wind vane for that. Yeah. Is that going to be tricky when you've got headwinds around the horn? You know, tacking is not something you do quickly back and forth. No, yeah, it has to be, um, I'm not going to be doing a lot of short tacks. You know, and, I, and if I have to stop, and I have to, if I have to anchor or heave to for a, a couple of days to wait for a, wind, a weather window, I'm happy to do it. Yeah, yeah. What else haven't we touched about about the journey, proas, or anything else that you think people should know about? I don't know. I, I, think, I think it'll be interesting to come up the Pacific coast or, or come up on the, up the Pacific Ocean because you all, whenever you read about this record, 
They don't talk about that. Yeah. They talk about getting to Cape Horn, getting around Cape Horn, and then it's like, and then we were in San Francisco, and it's like, all right, well, what yeah. else? <laughs> something else happened. That's why I mention it from, from Kretschmer's book, Cape Horn to Starboard, because he talks about the mental challenge. I mean, you get around and you think, okay, well, I'm home free, right? I'm almost there. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you have to go all the way back up. <laughs> I know, but I look forward to it. I, I like that part of the course. I've done it, you know? Yeah. Um, like, I know what to expect, you know? Like, I, like, this is what I see happening. Downwind, a lot of reaching it downwind across the equator, get north of there, it's going to be downwind for, you know, 2,000 miles. Um, then it's going to shift upwind. And I'm going to be on starboard tack for... 1500 miles and then i'm gonna do attack 500 miles from san francisco <laughs> you know yeah and try to hit try to hit a 500 mile ley line you know like <laughs> and I've done, I've done it before you know so uh, that's sort of what i'm expecting and and i'll be happy if that's the case how did you originally get into sailing um i, I grew up sailing on the gulf coast with my family okay you know? like we just cruised we were just a cruising family we didn't do much racing or anything and it just stuck. Uh, it, I mean, it developed. It developed a lot. Um, you know, I, I, I was interested in the single-handed racing. Like the BOC was happening when I was a kid. Um, and that was super appealing. The boats were like spaceships, you know, compared mm-hmm. to what else was happening. So the BOC was happening. And then, uh, you know, I had, I had Hodgkin's lymphoma when I was 19. And, mm. And there was there was a solo race happening during that year also, and I followed that pretty religiously and was like, I'm going to do something like that. Did the cancer factor into your decision to to follow sailing? Or? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely. Um, you know, and and then as I get older, it, it's sort of you know, like I could not do, I could I could not attempt to do this pretty easily. You know, I don't think anybody would hold it against me. But um, it's like, you know, you get to a point in your life where you have a certain amount of experience and there's a certain toolkit and you want to see, you can either put the toolkit away on the shelf or you can try to use every tool in, the, in it and see how it goes. You know, I'm like, this is a point where I'm like, I'm 42 and let's see if I can do it, you know? Yeah. You know, see, it's, it's, it's like all talk. You know, it's like, if I do this, let's not talk, you know. Right. Well, we're rooting for you and excited. I appreciate it. And we'll follow and hopefully be cheering for you as you come on in under the Golden Gate. Yeah, that'll be bonkers. Yeah. Crazy if I'm sailing under the Golden Gate. I I sailed Jazeera under the Golden Gate Bridge when I I got the boat initially with with Russell Brown. And uh, I remember imagining that, you know. Yeah. You can picture it. This time you'll have the horn behind you. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the deal. It'd be funny if the, the biggest part of the trip was after Cape Horn and the rest of it was just like a nuisance. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can hope. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, What's thanks that, so that, much for taking the time. Good luck with the prep. Um, what, are, right. what are the Thank main you. things you have left before you head off? Uh, I've, got some, I've got some rigging changes I'm doing. Um, and, you know, I've got to remove the engine and and figure out a way to secure the, the really tedious stuff that nobody wants to hear about. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with it. Have a great voyage. Great. Thank you, man. Thanks. 
that's it for this episode. As I mentioned at the top, you can follow Ryan's journey on Instagram at two oceans, one rock. That's the number two oceans, the number one rock. Cape Horn, obviously, is the rock. And while you're on Instagram, don't forget to follow Out the Gate Sailing. Thanks again for listening. I'm Ben Shaw, host and producer of the show. Until next time, smooth sailing.